Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 28. This week, it's Mark, Gladys, and myself. We also have two guests, Gopal Shankar and Arvind Chandaka, who are here to talk to us about Azure Purview and Azure Information Protection. But before we get to Gopal and Arvind, uh, let's head over to the news. Gladys, why don't you kick us off? Actually, the first news that I want to talk about is about Azure Information Protection uh, Unify uh, Label Clients. Uh, there is uh, a new version that is uh, general availability. As many of you know, Azure Information Protection, the administrative interface was deprecated as end of March, but the information rights management capabilities are still uh, needed, even though also uh, certain products like Office uh, have uh, embedded uh, capabilities. For example, you may need it for third-party uh, files such as PDF and uh, non-office uh, files supported, and this is provided by the client. So this new version includes a lot of scanner uh, usage, logging, diagnostic, and report report improvements. Uh, if you're not familiar with the scanner, basically it's used uh, to search uh, for uh, sensitive files uh, within uh, a, a storage uh, like SharePoint and files uh, shares. So um, it, it, it will be really good uh, to upgrade to this latest client. The next uh, news that I wanted to talk about is um, uh, attribute-based access control, uh, which is uh, available under Azure storage. Um, if you're not familiar with this, attribute-based uh, access control or ABAC uh, is an authorization strategy uh, that defines access levels based on attributes associated with like um, security principles, resources, uh, requests, and, and the environments uh, being used. Um, Azure ABAC uh, builds on role-based access control uh, by adding conditions uh, to Azure role assignment. I'm really excited about this because it expands uh, the zero trust principles uh, further by enabling one to author condition based on resource and request uh, attributes. And finally, I wanted to talk about Azure AD signing logs um, that are uh, currently in preview. Azure AD has some signing logs previously, but these ones are enabling logs for non-interactive user sign-ins, service principle sign-ins, and managed identities uh, for Azure resource sign-ins. We released some incident response playbooks, uh, which are really built on our experience uh, from our DART team, our detection response team that's uh, doing investigations and incidents, as well as you know some internal uh, Microsoft teams as well, kind of working together and providing, hey, these are playbooks on how to deal with um, really three different popular attacks, uh, password spray and phishing and whatnot. So those are out. And so far, these are actually landing really well. Um, normally, I get five or 10 likes on a tweet and I'm like, woohoo. Um, this one's sitting at somewhere around 800 now. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we definitely hit a nerve there and what people need. So we're, are, we're definitely looking closer at that. How do we invest in, and keep um, getting people what they need? So definitely check those out. Um, URLs there, that AKMSIR playbooks. 
personally, I also took on a tech review role for a book on a Microsoft certification. So looking forward to uh, reading through that and, uh, and you know trying to make that as high quality as, uh, as we can. Ransomware guidance. Um, I just wanted to, to bring this up to top of mind. Um, there's been a lot of headlines lately around the Colonial Pipeline attack and whatnot. And uh, that is no exception. Um, there is a lot of ransomware going on right now. So just want to remind folks to check out the uh, AKMS Human Operated um, because uh, those ransomware gangs have a lot of profit and a lot of technical debt that they can, you know, defender technical debt that they can exploit in terms of I've been running IT with security as a fairly low priority in many cases for you know the better part of 30 to 50 years at many organizations. And so there's a lot of opportunity for these attackers to really run rampant and they finally found a model that will allow them to do so at a profit. So please, please, please follow this guidance, get secure backups, protect against lateral uh, uh, lateral traversal um, and, and get you know work your way through the rest of the list as well. But um, we do have the guidance full plan objectives, key results, metrics, stakeholders, checklists, technical links, etc. We really tried to make it as complete as possible, so please check it out. Uh, zero trust principles, core principles, just as a reminder, the Open Group uh, released those not too long ago, so I got a link to that so you can check those out. It's a really nice uh, set of principles to help organizations kind of understand zero trust, get their head around it in a very vendor agnostic kind of way. I'm uh, actually co-chair of the Zero Trust Architecture Working Group over there. Um, so um, definitely check that out and don't quite have the cyber reference architecture yet ready to announce, but po possibly by the time we publish this podcast, it'll be out. Um, but that one is just about ready to release. And then we do have a fun little surprise as well. Fairly big one, actually, um, that will be coming along with it um, as well. So those are coming soon. Just a bit of a teaser there. So I've got a few items uh, sort of piqued my interest over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first three are all to do with Azure Monitor. Um, as most of you should probably know, um, Azure Monitor is primarily there for you know, data plane and control plane management or notifications and, and alerting and so on. Three announcements that I saw. Uh, the first one is support for customer managed keys for encryption of data at rest in Azure Monitor. As you can imagine, uh, you know, some of the information can be relatively sensitive in Azure Monitor, even though best practice dictates that you shouldn't store anything sensitive uh, in a logging infrastructure, you know, it could happen. And so some customers have asked for control of the encryption keys. So that is now available. Uh, the next one is in public preview is the ability to have a one minute frequency log alert update in Azure Monitor. I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know what the old frequency was, but I can tell you one thing, it wasn't one minute. So now we've got that, that ability uh, that's in public preview. Uh, the other one, uh, a couple of years ago, I worked at a financial organization or with a financial organization. And one of the people there, that, you know, really top of her game, was a lady by the name of Ronnie Kwan. And she's just written an article, a blog post on using Azure Monitor with Private Link. Fantastic article, shows you how to hook it all up, how it all works, some of the pitfalls, uh, one of the best sets of documentation I've seen on the topic. And as you're probably aware, if you've listened to any prior podcasts, one thing I've said all along is one thing we're seeing across more and more PaaS services in Azure is support for customer managed keys for data at rest and for private link, private endpoints. Um, so here's an example of you know, Azure Monitor uh, meeting two of those goals. Uh, the next item is to do with storage accounts. Um, that's the ability to put a policy in place that prevents the use of shared key authorization, uh, which means that you're only going to use Azure Active Directory. 
some customers I know they only want AAD at the at the data plane, uh, and they don't want the use of shared keys. And this is a way of uh, of enforcing that. And in a self-serving note, um, I wrote three blog posts in the last couple of weeks. One is about some of the best security practice that I can give you, in my humble opinion. Uh, I'm not going to give the game away. Go go ahead and read the blog post. Uh, another one is about being pedantic about cryptography. In other words, when you're talking about keys and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to encrypt with a key, you know, which key? Uh, oh, we're going to rotate keys. You know, which key are you going to rotate? Is it a data encryption key? Is it a key encryption key? Because they're two totally different things and they're two different where things can go wrong. So be really pedantic about your wording, especially when it comes to crypto. And you know, and, what's kind of funny about that, Michael, is is when, when you're dealing with the upper end of sort of the security organization chart and the CISO and working with a business, it's almost the exact opposite where you have to talk about risk and these sort of fuzzy concepts that aren't really well defined. But when it comes down to like the crypto technically, you have to be extraordinarily precise. So I just, I love that contrast. And it's, it's the weirdness of security. You, you know, I've, I've been in so many conversations with customers where literally my opening statement statement is, I'm going to be really pedantic with my wording when it comes to the crypto. So when you're describing something and it involves crypto, don't be surprised if I constantly keep asking you which key are you talking about? Or, you know, when you say you're doing this, what do you actually mean? Because again, you know, the, the devil's in the details when it comes to crypto. And, you know, I really want to know which stuff you're talking about. I mean, security, you know, security in general, but, you know, crypto specifically. And the last one, the last blog post was about um, when David LeBlanc and I wrote the second edition of Writing Secure Code, uh, I put a section in there called The Attacker's Advantage and the, and the Defender's Dilemma, which talks about the whole asymmetry of cybersecurity. And someone brought up a topic on LinkedIn just recently, and this exact asymmetry came up um, in this conversation in LinkedIn. It made me think about this, uh, this section of the book. So basically essentially sort of reprinted that part of the book in a blog post and commented on it, what is essentially 20 years later. So anyway, take a look. So that's it with the news. Uh, so now we get on to our guests. Uh, this week we have Gopal Shankar and we have Arvind Chandaka, who are here from the Azure Purview and Azure Information Protection teams. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. Gopal and Arvind, would you mind introducing yourselves and what you do at Microsoft and how long you've been here? Thanks, Michael. Thank you for having us on this podcast. We are really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Gopal Shankar, and I work as a senior program manager in the cloud customer experience engineering team, uh, which is part of the cloud security team. Uh, I've been with Microsoft for 17 years and uh, in this team for about a year. Uh, in my role, I focus on product adoption, product development, specifically around Azure information protection and Azure purview. Uh, I work with select set of customers to help maximize their investments in these products. We're also the voice of the customer, so we take customer feedback, feature asks, and relay that back to the product groups. And uh, hi, everybody. My name is Arvind Sandaka, also from uh, Gopal's team. I'm also a program manager uh, from the team, uh, working on all the things that Gopal said above, um, and, and particularly working on a lot of different uh, feature initi initiatives that we have on growth and so on and so forth. So uh, very excited to be here talking with everybody. Hey, thanks for the introduction. So the first question, so what is Azure Purview and why do we need it? That's a great question. So uh, Azure Purview is a new product. Um, uh, it is a unified data governance service that helps customers to manage and govern data 
on-premise, multi-cloud, as well as software as a service. It is a cloud-based service in which you can register data sources, scan data, and get deeper insights about your data estate. Uh, to your question, why do we need it? Um, as organizations uh, embark on digital transformation, it is clear that they are generating data everywhere, right? From IoT devices to operational uh, devices to analytical data. As they migrate and modernize, this is becoming uh, even more important. Data is everywhere spread across business units and geographies too. So with Azure Purview, customers can create a holistic map of their uh, data landscape with automated discovery, you know, classify the sensitive data, which is super critical for security folks, and have a deeper understanding of the data they manage. I'm going to um, do a follow-on question. Um, I, I spoke in the news about uh, Azure Information Protection Scanner. Um, could you uh, explain a little bit the difference between Purview and, and the scanner that I mentioned, since I, I mentioned that uh, we could scan uh, data sources? Sure. So Azure Information Protection is our, uh, you know, uh, solution for scanning data on premise. Um, you know, if you want to understand what kind of data you have in your on premise, then you use Azure Information Protection to scan. Sorry, Azure Information Protection Scanner to scan your, um, you know, uh, resources to understand what kind of sensitive data you have, so that you can classify and manage it. Purview takes it a little beyond that. It's more about managing data on premise as well as in the cloud, right? So it's a, it's going to help you to manage data across clouds and also on your on premises. One of the things I wanted to add, um, and, and it's a very important distinction, is uh, AIP and AIP scanner overall uh, is highly focused on information worker data. So this would mean you know, office documents, uh, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, additional ones like PDF, um, and so on. So these kinds of files that are basically sitting on uh, on-prem file shares, SMB drives, and so on and so forth, these are, are the targets for uh, the AIP scanner, versus Azure Purview focuses more on uh, operational and analytical data. So an example of a source that um, Azure Purview would do would would basically scan on-prem would be something like a SQL Server, um, and inside the SQL Server you could have basically all of these kinds of uh, uh, data rows that could help describe um, application data as an example, and you'd be able to collect that and collate that in uh, Azure Purview, which is slightly different um, than what we're focusing with uh, on AIP. So, is the product available now? Um, so we launched this product in December. Uh, the product is currently in public preview. Uh, we've been testing the product. A lot of customers have signed up and we're getting great feedback. It's likely to be generally available uh, sometime in the second uh, half of the calendar year. So until that point, it will be in public preview. I mean, it's got the Azure in front of it, so I can make an assumption that's in the portal. But how, how do you get access to, port, uh, to, to purview? Is it something uh, available to everyone or you know, and, and where do you get to it? Like, how would people actually get to try it out and check it out? Sure. So you you definitely need to have an Azure account with an active uh, subscription. Uh, the, the account must have permissions to create resources under their subscription. So simply sign into your Azure, you know, under resources, uh, look for Purview, create a Purview instance. Once you have the instance deployed, you launch Azure Purview and then make sure that you have uh, security principles added to various 
data plane roles that we have. We have a purview data reader, curator, and administrator. So based on your you know, needs, add uh, respect to you know, users to these groups so that they can access this portal. And there you go, you're all set. You'll be able to view all the data from there on. Cool. Now, who should actually be going to that portal? I mean, you know, because we're talking about data folks here, and I know there's a lot of different interests in data, like, hey, how do we, you know, find new markets and, and get more insights on customers and our operations and, and you know, how do I keep it secure? Like, so, so what roles would interact um, with Purview and, and would use it? That's a great question. Uh, you know, Purview caters to a very wide range of personas. So it provides a single uh, plane of glass uh, view data in your data catalog. Uh, give you an example, you know, for example, chief data officers who will benefit from the holistic and you know, coherent view of data estate, right? Once you have all the resources configured and scanned, it's going to give you that bird's eye view. This helps them to understand where their data is. They can have, they can view variety of reports uh, in in the dashboard. Risk and compliance officers, you know, they can understand the risk of the data and you know what needs to be done from a compliance standpoint to meet their organizational needs or regulatory requirements. So you can actually group data sources into collections and have a nice hierarchy view of your enterprise and manage uh, data from there. Uh, CISOs are interested from a security aspect of the data. Data source administrators, you know, they want to make sure that they can scan all the data that's available in the enterprises, whether it is on-prem or in the cloud. So they will be able to, uh, you know, get all those resources into Azure Purview. And finally, you know, the data consumers, the business users, you know, who will be actually consuming this information, they will be able to search, understand where the data comes from, as well as you know how it is classified and how can actually they get in touch with the owners of the data. So those are some of the personal assets. It even expands beyond that too. So ultimately, what kind of problems are we trying to solve with Azure Purview? So you know, generally we've talked to many customers. You know, customers today you know have a very manual process. They have homegrown solutions that do not adapt well and grow, you know, uh, with the data growing in the environment. And it's a very uh, costly uh, affair as well as full of gaps, right? It's prone to human error. Um, and Purview helps to reimagine the data governance in the cloud. It, it, it empowers data consumers to find valuable, trustworthy data, you know, uh, which is spread across the enterprise, right? It helps you discover uh, data uh, data consumers, for example, can discover the data in the enterprise and, you know, have, obviously this has been a challenge for them. There is no one place to go. Uh, you know, creating and maintaining documentation for data sources can be very difficult and ongoing effort. So it becomes a barrier to share data across the enterprise. So Purview solves that problem too. Um, from a security administrator's perspective, you know, data is constantly growing and sharing in different ways. So the task of discovering and protecting, governing these data is a super a humongous task, right? So it is super important to make sure the content is being shared with the correct people, you know, applications with the right permissions. So understanding the risk levels in the organization uh, based on the sensitive data type that resides, such as credit card numbers, social security, et cetera, et cetera. You need to constantly monitor these resources for, uh, you know, managing sensitive data. So these are the problems that, you know, Purview will be able to solve you once you onboard all your, um, sources into purview so you have this one place to go to basically manage your data and the security aspects of it 
So you explained briefly uh, what Purview was uh, used for, um, but can you walk through uh, a fuller scenario? Sure. So uh, imagine a situation where you have everything manual today and uh, you're able to only you know, share with limited uh, number of people. Not many people are able to see it. Uh, once you have a Purview instance up and running, the administrator is going to basically go and register all the sources in the enterprise to bring everything into one umbrella, right? And I mentioned earlier about having this collections view where you can actually have a holistic view and also have a deeper view based on how you want to slice and dice the data. It could be by geography, it could be by function, right? So once you have that, now you will be able to provide access to the consumers based on their role will be able to actually go and view this data in the portal and also understand what kind of sensitive data is available, what kind of labeling is available if they have integrated that with Microsoft Information Protection so that they get this end-to-end -end view. Uh, they can also see the data lineage you know, as the data, data moves. So that's one of the big features they have. So if we're thinking also about a scenario, just imagine you have um, some subsets of, of data lying around. So say you had information in various Azure data assets, uh, ADLS, uh, Azure files, blob storage, et cetera. You also had, uh, had some uh, information in Amazon S3, as an example, maybe even on-prem in SQL, SQL Server. For all of these different kinds of uh, sources, the workflow basically will function as this. You can then, you could first go into sort of the, the area in uh, the, the registered sources area for um, Azure Purview, and then you're able to register each of these individual sources um, that you have around your various environments. Once you're able to register that um, and, and provide basically the necessary permissions and, and visibility into being able to scan those, you'll basically go through a scanning operation to discover all of that uh, data that underlies these um, sources. And so these data assets or, or metadata assets will be populated within your, uh, what we call it a data state and purview. Inside of this particular area, you'll be able to see the results of your scan and all of the sort of individual documents that exist um, as a result of your scan. Um, and then you could basically filter by different kinds of settings, uh, look into the, the kinds of information that you want, um, and so on. From my perspective, it sounds like this is just a really radical shift in kind of data management for an organization, almost like on the level of going from physical servers to VMs or from on-premise to cloud, because all of a sudden, you know, boom, your stuff is there, you know, obviously after it's all set up and whatnot in one report and one console, instead of having to chase after it in a thousand places. So I'm yeah, really interested in the kind of insights that, that you can get now that you have this in one place, like, you know, what is the value people are getting out of this? Absolutely. So, so there's two real uh, large insights as a result of that workflow. One is that data state or data catalog I was talking, talking about. Um, and in this particular area, imagine you were uh, an individual, like a data scientist, as an example, going through and trying to find the data set that you need in order to basically get your models created and, and test them and so on and so forth. This keeps it all in one place because you've been able to go through and, and identify all of this disparate data in so many various sources. You're able to go to a single holistic uh, sort of um, pane of glass in order to get what you need, use what you need, get access to it, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's incredibly valuable for data consumers overall. 
Um, another piece is actually, uh, funny enough, is also called Insights, our, our data insights pillar, um, where you could go into this particular tab in Azure Purview, and what you'll be able to get out of it are different kinds of reports on the kinds of files you were able to scan through and the results of your scans. So um, as an example, uh, Purview is looking at many different kinds of classifications as you're going through uh, these scans. And so classifications can be considered as things like sensitive information types, uh, credit card data, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, et cetera. And being able to identify uh, what is the breakdown uh, of this kind of sensitive information within the scans that were done. Uh, what percent of that is from Azure assets? What percent of that, uh, of, of that is from uh, AWS assets? And, and so on and so forth. Um, you'll, be, you'll be able to get that breakdown there. Um, you'll also be able to get a breakdown into any sort of sensitivity labels uh, you can use, uh, whether your scans worked uh, or failed over time, understanding the different kinds of file types that exist. It's a very rich ecosystem to be able to go through and actually see these reports um, because ultimately, like, like Gopal was mentioning, you can go ahead and provide this information to uh, your leadership, uh, your, your IT team, data team, security, et cetera, and be able to garner some tangible insights such that you're able to make any necessary remediations, um, any necessary actions uh, to continue protecting your data, as well as, of course, maintaining a, a holistic database or rather data catalog. Yeah, and as I'm thinking about this, you know, because I'm both a business geek and a security geek, and like as the security geek side of me is like going, okay, this is awesome because I can now see what data we have to protect and be able to ask the business, you know, hey, what's important? What should we be focusing on? But at the same time, I'm now a little bit freaked out because like now that it's easier for the business to find this, it's also easier for the attackers to use the same tool. Um, so one of the, actually one of the questions I was, I was thinking about, like now you guys classify and label this, right? Now, is that tied in with Microsoft information protection? How do those two connect? Absolutely, you're, you're right on the money for that. So uh, just a, a little bit of a background for our audience who might not be aware. Microsoft Information Protection is a suite of capabilities really driven around basically security and, and information protection in M365. Um, one of the core components of MIP uh, is basically this, this component called a sensitivity label. And what a sensitivity label does for an organization is it helps define basically how, how important that uh, piece of information is. And a taxonomy in different kinds of corporations help denote that. So as an example, you could have something that is public, general, confidential, highly confidential, et cetera. Different corporations will do it in different ways. And not only will this sensitive information or sensitivity uh, label denote that, but in the uh, scope of MIP, it also provides uh, data at rest uh, encryption and uh, almost transparent encryption so that if it was moved around essentially these informational worker files, um, you'd be still uh, getting some level of protection from them. Now, there is an integration. Um, there is a basically a, a better together story where we are integrating the sensitivity labels with Purview. Um, and so if you were to use basically E5 uh, or, or rather have the E5 license, you can go ahead to Security and Compliance Center and set up the configuration of what a label is and what kind of sensitivity, uh, sensitive information types or classifications are included there. And so that will help you essentially be able to um, identify what in, in a purview scan when you find, say, 
a driver's license information and the credit card info um, that that label is to be uh, attached to it that signifies it as confidential. Um, so right now we we have this currently available, um, and hopefully later in the future we will also introduce um, protection capabilities as well. I was going to ask uh, why would one needs to classify or identify uh, data, uh, which you have uh, talked a, a little bit about already. Uh, but I want to make sure that the audience understand what we mean with classification, uh, especially uh, it, when we are talking to government, uh, classification has a, a different connotation. Uh, what we're talking here is about labeling and or, or tagging the data. So why why would an organization needs to do this? Yeah, I mean, ultimately there is there's sort of like a information protection framework um, that we took from MIP and AIP and are applying it here uh, in uh, purview as well. This kind of concept of uh, discover uh, where the sensitive information is in your environment. Once you're able to discover it, you know, analyze it and understand basically what kind of taxonomy uh, to create off of it. And then once you get a kind of uh, understanding of taxonomy, understand how to go about protecting and governing it uh, within your uh, uh, environment. And so we're we're basically trying to implement that kind of framework here as well, um, with at least starting originally with the discovery piece, where we're able to attach these same labels that you can use in the MIP world here as well in Purview, um, as it's something that a lot of different customers that we currently have um, are, are uh, heavily leveraging as well. And this is just a, a really great synergy we have here in, in being able to do that and, and follow in the steps of what is that that best practice, that overall framework for information protection. Just to add to that, uh, what Arvind just mentioned, the, the, the platform should be automatically able to classify data, you know, and allow manual override when possible. So it's the foundation for effective uh, governance as well. Uh, my guess is that uh, as your purview can take data from multiple data sources and you know, categorize it and classify it and identify it. So, you know, what does that look like right now? I mean, what sort of uh, data sources can you use uh, within Azure Purview? That's a, a great question. Um, so right now, uh, you could classify a huge lot of different kinds of Azure uh, data assets, um, ADLS, um, uh, blob storage, um, et cetera. You also have the capability now, it's in public preview, to uh, basically scan um, AWS S3 buckets. Um, we also have on-prem. Uh, resources like Power BI, SQL Server, et cetera, and then as well as a lot of different SaaS connectors and integrations that we have. So Oracle is, uh, Oracle DB is one that comes to mind, and there's a lot of different SaaS ones that we're working on right now that um, is, is uh, uh, sort of the, the brunt of a lot of the work going into to GA. For the full list, of course, you know, feel free to look at the documentation. We, we will be attaching that uh, in this podcast as well, so you can see the, the full list. Um, but uh, it's a it's a pretty big litany of, of items. So what is the, the future roadmap look like? Uh, what is coming down the pipe? That's a, a really great question. Um, I, you know, data sources are obviously one of the biggest things we're focusing on right now. So just the different kinds of connectors for uh, different SaaS providers and so on and so forth. That's That's been a big ask from customers. Um, we are working a lot on uh, the security side as well. There's a couple of stories going around for data access governance, um, alerting uh, 
and and sort of the the work we're doing on on that front uh, is going to help bolster sort of the security story of Purview a lot more. Um, unfortunately, I can't say too much uh, other than those pieces because you know we we are working on uh, some pieces right now that are not public yet, um, but they are coming public really soon, and we're excited to see you know how the security community reacts to it and. Uh, are we looking forward to some feedback on that area? Essentially, there are there are a lot of data sources that's coming, uh, which will be added. And uh, like Arvin mentioned, from the safety aspect, there is also a couple of features that we are working on. Uh, there is a lot of discussions on the multi-cloud effort as well. So uh, you will see them coming, uh, um, you know, as we go towards GR beyond. Another uh, big piece is actually a lot of uh, work on the, the multi-cloud area. Um, so I mentioned AWS S3 buckets uh, scanning becoming public preview. There's a lot of other uh, sources sort of along those uh, along that um, area of AWS and, and GCP resources essentially that will also be great capabilities to uh, have for for customers. So there's a question we ask all our guests at the end, and that is, uh, do you have any last thoughts? Is there any sort of takeaway you'd like to leave our listeners with? The biggest piece here to understand is. It's a product that really impacts data overall and security. And many times, we, you know, when when we're talking to customers, we see that these two pieces, although they should really be, uh, you know, one and and together, um, and talking to each other and and collaborating, are very much sometimes separated. Um, so, you know, tools like this are are sort of helping with the market push and driving those conversations together. Um, and I'd like to see it's already starting to say that it's already uh, starting to work a little bit. Um, having these engaging conversations, having sort of customers lead the way and um, having these kinds of conversations and hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see this market trend. Yeah, I'll just add a few more things to that. Uh, you know, we've talked to many customers, you know, they all have one common uh, challenge. Data is growing at a very, you know, very fast, at a very high velocity, higher volumes and also a variety of data, right? So it's extremely important to have a comprehensive data governance solution. So Purview is unified data governance cloud-based solution, and also supports you know data on-prem as well as uh, you know in the cloud. So highly recommend our uh, you know listeners to try Purview and help us with feedback. And with that, let's bring this to an end. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it, and I certainly learned a great deal. I know Mark and Gladys probably learned a great deal too. Uh, to our listeners, we trust you found this useful too. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license. <laughs>